Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules, Julie. I'm so happy you're here today. It's been a gorgeous week here in beautiful Toronto, Ontario, and it's been a fun week, at least for me. I got my beer store refund sorted. I saw Jimmy Carr live at the O'Keefe slash Sony Center slash Meridian Hall. They keep changing the name. I don't know what's up with that. We went with Bernie and Robin, who came all the way from Sarnia to see him. They are big, big comedy fans. They could have gone to London, Ontario, which is only about an hour away from Sarnia, but they chose to come all the way to Toronto on a work night. Those are good friends. And we all love comedy. And Jimmy's show was great, of course. Terribly funny. And I appreciate laughing at things we're really not supposed to laugh at. I don't think it's disrespectful at all. Laughing at the dark things in life helps lighten them. It allows space to safely think about them and discuss them without getting too depressed. I'll take comedy over exaggerated outrage every time. Brilliant comedians are my heroes. I had a new friend and her six-year-old daughter over on Friday. I met the new friend at a bookstore, and her little girl is very bright and a little bit precocious. I miss having little girls. I loved it. And this little gal loves Abe, and no wonder, Abe was on the floor playing setups with her. He doesn't even like playing setups. He and Fred have the same taste in toys, but he does it anyway. I asked her mom if they had any food sensitivities or dislikes before they came over, and she said, oh, she has refined taste. She likes mac and cheese, which I interpreted to mean she wasn't picky. She'll even eat mac and cheese. I have never understood the appeal of mac and cheese. I just do not get it. Thank goodness we're all different. But this little gal announced upon her arrival at the front door that her mother said I was making her mac and cheese. Oh, no. Oops. Sorry, I said. I never make mac and cheese. I don't buy mac and cheese. I probably wouldn't even know how. Oh, it's easy, she assured me. All you do is boil the water and cook the noodles. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't even have noodles. Do you like hamburgers? No, she said. I love the honesty of young children. Okay, do you like chicken fingers? Now, my children might be saying, why would you offer this child all these options? You didn't do that for us. Because... When you were growing up, I wasn't running a restaurant. I'm not running a restaurant for this child either, but I don't know her. I don't know what she likes and doesn't like. So yeah, I did have a couple of options. Yes, I like chicken fingers, she said. So I said, okay, I will make you chicken fingers then. You don't have to have a hamburger. Secretly, I was worried that she'd notice that they were vegan fake chicken fingers. I'm using air quotes here. Later on, though, she decided she'd have a hamburger and potatoes after all. I think I made up for not making mac and cheese with a lovely little, very 
fancily decorated cupcake. At the end of the visit, she told me she didn't like my name and that she thought I should be called Mary. I think her mom was a little bit embarrassed about that, but I just calmly told her that I do like my name. My mom didn't want to name me Mary, so my name is Julie. But I love the honesty and confidence of the six-year-old girl. Can we please hang on to some of that while teaching them not to be too demanding or rude? Somewhere in the middle is the sweet spot. Confidence with empathy. A healthy sense of self-worth without an inflated sense of entitlement. Such a gray area, though. A tough balance to achieve, I suppose. Anyway, it was a gorgeous weekend here. I finally trusted the weather enough to plant my flowers. We didn't even have a frost warning for the last week. I took a Heels Foundation dance class at City Dance Corps. I enjoyed a spontaneous visit from our friends Holly and Satish on Saturday. And the company I'm working for closes their office for Memorial Day. So bonus day off this past Monday. It really has been a good week, and I ended up getting a long weekend. By the time you hear this episode, though, L.A.-based comedian Andrew Johnston will be in Toronto, yay, raring to celebrate his birthday and cover the Toronto comedy clubs with plenty of gigs. He's also doing a musical gig. That's right. He will be performing at the QL Kids charity concert at the Axis Club on College Street in Toronto, June 2nd, this coming Friday night, Abe and I will be there. If you're in Toronto, you can be there too. If you're not, you can still donate if you're interested. Proceeds go to the Community Music Schools of Ontario, formerly known as the Regent Park School of Music. But they've expanded. They don't just cover Regent Park anymore. They provide high-quality, affordable music education to underprivileged youth in Regent Park, Jane Finch, and other areas of the City of Toronto. Community Music Schools of Toronto is one of Toronto's most diverse music schools, and their mandate is to provide music education to youth who might not otherwise have the opportunity, which I think is a fabulous mandate. I am on board. I've never attended one of the concerts before. I'd never heard of it until Andrew told me about it. So I'm really excited to go. And the great news is it starts at 7 p.m., which is early enough for Abe and me. I'm with Jamie Lee Curtis on the whole do things early. We, We will go. You do matinees, start things early, we will go. I do not want to go to a show that starts at 9 or 9.30. Listen up, good enough live karaoke. Anyway... Last week on the podcast, I disparaged the dermatology profession. And surprisingly, I heard from no dermatologists. I assume because they don't listen to Jules Says. But it's possible that some dermatologists do listen to the podcast. And maybe they thought to themselves, yeah, yeah, fair enough. We really only, yeah, we really can only diagnose cancer and prescribe cortisone cream and Accutane. It's possible. I also heard from one person who recommended that I follow up and get this thing biopsied, so I suppose I'll have another go. Since this fall, it will have been five years of this thing not healing. So I suppose I should at least confirm with certainty that it's not cancerous. Thank you for caring and taking the time to respond. I appreciate hearing from you. 
And even if it is cancer, it's probably not one of the dangerous cancers, but fine. And I know this sounds terrible, and sometimes I am a terrible person. But I admit how terrible I am to you because there's comfort in knowing you're not the only one with dark thoughts, or at least that's how I see it. Sometimes the truth, even the ugly truth, resonates with people. For example, the older I get, the more I think about my mortality. I don't dwell on it, but I do think about it. I imagine how I'm going to go, what it will be like. And this week I was in the car listening to William Shatner's album, and one of the songs is called You're Gonna Die. It's from his album Has Been, and no matter what you think of William Shatner, if you don't know who he is, young people wouldn't know who he is. And I don't know if all of his shows were even available in countries other than the U.S. and Canada. He was Captain Kirk on those old 1960s Star Trek shows. And then he seemed to kind of disappear for a while. And then then he had a career resurgence as a lawyer on Boston Legal. He's done a lot of stuff. And I mean... He's an old man who was a hot young man in the glory days of hot young white men. You know, the Mad Men era, when it was considered just fine to get hammered every day and dash around banging all the young girls you could get your hands on. Not that William Shatner necessarily did that. I'm just assuming he likely did, because why not? He certainly could have, and no one would have thought anything of it back then, so... This is one of the things we're trying to change. But my point is, his album is amazing. He doesn't sing, but he wrote all these, I guess you'd call them musings, and Ben Folds produced it. And and there are several talented guest artists doing the music and the vocals, and he's an, he even has a choir. And I think what he wrote is quite brilliant. So so kudos to William Shatner. Is he William Shakespeare? No, but it's pretty good. So you, I, I have to hand it to him. But the song, You're Gonna Die, he just talks about death so matter-of-factly, kind of um, with a little wink and a nod. And there's a gorgeous choir to back him up. And when I think about my own mortality, I think about it now in those terms just how inevitable it is and how you never know when. I mean, my mom was only a year older than I am now when she passed away, and people die a lot younger than that. And it's not that I'm afraid of dying. I just don't want the process to be too painful. So cancer is definitely not one of my preferred methods. I am dead serious when I say I want to die under a general anesthetic. Because I won't know the difference. This is why I'm so calm going into surgery. The last time I had surgery, which was, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago, the anesthetist said before he put me under, Wow, you're very calm. I also have ridiculously low blood pressure. I've had readings of 78 over 35, which, if you know, is almost zombie low. But I said to him, Well, if I'm going to die, this is how I want to die. I mean, I'm not ready to die. I trust that you're going to do your job well and you know what you're doing. But if this is it, I'm not going to know the difference. I find that really comforting. Do I want to be in a bed for months and have my family around me suffering? 
seeing me go slowly, no, no, I just, Joan Rivers had it right. And the fact is that a general anesthetic is always somewhat of a risk. I mean, it's not a huge risk, but it's a risk. I remember years ago, I was expecting Catherine at the time, and one of her dad's friends lost his fiance to a general anesthetic. She was only 21 years old and perfectly healthy. And I, it seems to me, and I believe it was human error. I don't know if there was ever a lawsuit or anything. They were in Ireland, and I don't know if, um, if the Irish are particularly litigious when it comes to medical error. They're not in Canada. The U.S. is maybe a different story. So, yeah, an anesthetic, a general anesthetic is always a risk. And age 21, I mean, that's just a travesty. This beautiful young girl hadn't lived her life yet. And I cannot imagine how parents deal with that kind of a loss. Because if something like that happened to one of my children, then I would, yeah, I don't, I don't know how people deal with it. Of course, in my case, my children are grown. And they probably don't want me to die anymore. <laughs> they might have wanted me to die for a period of time when they were teenagers. But at least they don't need me anymore. There's a bit of a sadness that they don't need me, but also a comfort that no one needs me. And maybe that sounds awful. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But when my children were young, I loved being needed, even though... There were days that I simultaneously wanted to just occasionally not be needed. Sometimes you just get too much of one or the other, which can be a bit of a challenge. And of course, the thought of dying prematurely was a lot scarier, if I imagined it then, because mostly because how well they might be cared for was my primary concern. I didn't know if their father's new wife would love them enough. Although, <laughs> I'm weird. We had company over once. This friend of the girl's father, his sister was visiting from Ireland. And we had them over for dinner and a chat and a drink. She was delightful. And I think I actually said to her, if anything ever happens to me, would you please marry my husband because I think you'd be a really nice mom for the children. We laughed and laughed about it, but I kind of actually meant it. I really, really liked this woman. Anyway, I didn't die, so I don't know what ever happened to her. But sometimes I used to vaguely wish that I would just die in those days. But then I would think, no, 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 they need me, so I can't. And there were times I'd be in the passenger seat of the car with my head against the window, watching the line on the side of the highway rush past. And I'd, I'd think to myself, I could just open this door now and roll out, and that would be it. 
Is it unusual to have those thoughts? I never talked about them at the time. I just carried on each day. I can't even really recall with any clarity how I felt to even be thinking that way. Because in general, I was just so busy that I didn't have the time or the energy to ruminate a whole lot. And I think in retrospect, I was just really tired. And you know, in those days, no one had ever heard of postpartum depression. And I don't think I had postpartum depression. But I think sometimes when you're that busy and in demand and exhausted, that there's a certain depression that can sink in, even if it's transient. I had a demanding job, a demanding husband, three little children, one of whom had celiac disease before you could even buy gluten-free products, which meant I had to make everything from scratch. And every day of my life, just at that time, felt like running on a hamster wheel, running and running and not really getting anywhere and not really accomplish anything, just running, 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 trying so hard, but not doing anything very well and feeling terrible about it and feeling shame about it. And and then beating myself up when I was alone at the end of the day because I should have done better. That was really my mindset for years. And I used to even think that it would be such a relief to just just get sick enough to spend a week in the hospital. Just a week. I could lie in bed and watch that little hospital TV and just just read. But no, if I were sick, I wouldn't enjoy it because I wouldn't feel well. And that wouldn't do. And then I used to think, well, maybe I could just, wouldn't it be nice to just Go to jail for a week, just a week, a minimum security prison, nothing scary. Maybe the one at that courthouse close to where we lived. I could just, I could just lie in my cell alone and read, just read. One of my brothers actually served weekends for a DUI there, but he said to me, Julie, trust me, you don't want to be in that jail, any jail. It's noisy, the cells aren't comfortable, and you can't bring whatever you want in to read. You have a choice of magazines and grade school level books. I don't even know if they had women at that jail. It could have just been for men. No idea. But what he did when he was in there, and it was only weekends, he used to just play cards most of the time. And then he'd walk over to our place sometimes on Monday morning when he was released in his bathrobe. The children loved it. They used to be so excited to see him at the door in the morning, wearing nothing but a bathrobe, slippers, and a great big smile. He was always so good at making the best of any situation. I admire that about him. I admire that about anyone. Because sometimes life does hand you shit. Sometimes you make a split-second decision that puts you in a bucket of shit. But just make the best of it and dig yourself out. So you might be thinking, Julie, you're an idiot. You should have just taken a vacation. Well, I didn't even consider that as an option. Vacations in Ireland, which is where we went as a family, usually when we had time off, they were really just visit family. And I still had to cook and shop and do the laundry, entertain the children. So they weren't really a vacation for me. I often felt like, ugh, I took my three weeks off work 
to go to a land where I didn't even get a summer because I used to really love summer and the beach and the sunshine. But you didn't get that in Ireland. Some people I know go on girls' trips with their friends, but I wouldn't have even considered that. The girls' father and I went away for one night on our 10th anniversary, but I didn't even really want to do that. I didn't want to leave the children unless I was forced to leave them. If I had to be hospitalized or go to jail, it wouldn't be my choice. I wouldn't have to go to work. Plus, I would just be on my own. Now, when they got a little older, I used to have to travel to Calgary maybe two or three times a year. My boss was based in Calgary, so we'd have to do these team-building things and meetings and stuff like that. I would only go for maybe... I don't think I ever went for a full week. I think it was usually a four-day week when I had to go. And I felt conflicted about leaving the children. But those few days, if I'm honest with myself, were a chance for me to sleep until morning with no interruptions, go out with friends in the evening, and just have the peace of being completely alone when I got back to the hotel. No one. No one there. No one wanting anything from me. There's a certain peace in that when you're at that stage in your life when you're just never alone and someone always needs you. The first time I ever left Catherine was to attend a course in Washington, D.C. She was 15 months old and I brought my mom with me. And when I got back, she didn't seem all that happy to see me, which really added to my guilt. She looked at me a bit suspiciously for the first few minutes, as though I had wronged her. It took her a few minutes to warm up. I was quite relieved when she forgave me within about a half an hour. And of course, before I went away, I always prepped the necessities. I prepared mini-meals, as my mother called them, that could be reheated in the microwave. Made sure the laundry was caught up. Of course, when they were little, I did a load of laundry almost every night, just to keep up with it. Because it's like shoveling in a snowstorm. I planned their outfits for the week. I didn't want them going to school looking like mismatched ragamuffins, which, if I let them choose their own ensembles, was a probable risk. One time, Catherine went to school on a coldish day wearing the ugliest play shorts and, I swear, the most stained, ripped-up little sweatshirt that had been dug out from the bottom of her drawer And I was horrified. It was when my babysitter was fairly new at the time. And she said, well, that's what she wanted to wear. And I'm like, nah, I will do their hair and make sure that their clothes are picked out before I leave for work from now on, just to make sure. Does it really matter what they're wearing? I don't know. I feel like we dress for things that we care about. And when you're little, school is your job. And I do think... It's possible that some teachers might subconsciously think, if your child doesn't look well-groomed, that maybe she's not really well cared for at home. And there might be a subconscious tendency. I don't know. I just feel like people respond better to well-groomed people, including children. But the meals, I probably didn't have to stock all those meals because their father's Irish friends, Irish wives, fell all over each other to invite him and the children over for dinner. So they made the rounds whenever I was away. One time I got home and I heard that Joanne had said to her father, Don't you never, never, ever make me that lunch again. 
He had made an open-faced cheese whiz sandwich, and of course, the cheese spread stuck to the cellophane, which she wasn't too happy with when she got to school. I mean, packing lunches was always a challenge. I've always hated packing a lunch, which is why I used to go to work and not eat. We usually didn't eat bread at home. It's not like we could just make sandwiches. The gluten-free bread I made was barely palatable, and even then, only when toasted. So the children often went to school with cut-up vegetables and a thermos of soup. In those days, I used to buy ham. They liked ham. I See, I wouldn't buy ham now because now I know about nitrates. But sometimes they would have a slice of ham wrapped around a pickle. Delicious. When I bought a corrugated slicer, the cut-up vegetables were suddenly more appealing. Now, the interesting thing was, whenever their dad went to Ireland, no one invited me over for dinner. You might be justified in thinking that was because the Irish friends' Irish wives did not like me, but I believed they were my friends at the time. I mean, they were somewhat traditional thinkers. One night I had a dinner party and the visiting Irish bachelor commented that Irish women make the best wives in the world. I couldn't help it. The setup was more than I could resist. I immediately responded, and Irish men make the worst husbands. Crickets. I thought it was funny. He just told a Canadian woman that Irish women make the best wives, and that was fine. They all knew I liked them. I wouldn't have said that if I sincerely believed it to be true. Plenty of non-Irish men make terrible husbands, too. Of course, they also knew it was no problem for me to take care of everything with their father away. In fact, in some ways, it was easier. The children didn't expect meat and potatoes. They didn't complain if the variety in the meals was lacking. They were perfectly happy with a stir-fry and rice every day. Although one time I did take it a bit too far and gave them soup and salad for dinner. About an hour later, Joanne asked me when we were having dinner. We just had dinner, I told her. We had soup and salad. That was lunch, she insisted. We used to say she had a bit of my father Ted's personality. Ted would have said, what the hell do you mean that was dinner? You can't have soup and salad for dinner. That was part of his charm. I used to say we should have just taught Joanne to say, how could you be so goddamn stupid when she learned to talk? She said to Ted one day, People say I'm like you. I'm nothing like you. Look at my eyes. My eyes are blue and white. Yours are blue and red. Look at my skin. Look at your skin. My skin is peach. Your skin is black. Ted loved that about her. Oh, that, that, that goddamn Joanne, he'd sometimes say, wiping tears of pride from his eyes. She's so goddamn tough. High praise coming from Ted. When Joanne was little, she had a little bit of trouble distinguishing between F and TH sounds. I would say, Joanne, that's a TH word, or that's an F word, and slowly pronounce it for her so she could hear the difference clearly and get it right. Once when she was with my mother Dorothy, whom we called Durf, which stuck thanks to the FTH challenge, she said to her, Durf, you forgot to say the F word. My mother looked a bit confused and asked her, the, the F word? What, what do you mean I forgot to say the F word? You know, thank you. <laughs> oh, right. Anyway. 
I'm not afraid to die. I don't wish to die, but I don't really care if I die as long as it's not too painful. Does that make me morbid? Maybe. But I think a lot more people think like this than admit it. So to quote William Shatner, live life like you're going to die because you're gonna. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to share, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. Jewel Says is produced, written, recorded, mastered, and edited by me, Jules. Music by Julie McCarthy. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.